Good evening. Good evening. Once again, thank you for listening and joining us for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. It's me and Doc for right now, and hopefully uh, Wildcat will be able to join us in a few minutes. Doc, how are you doing? Doing really well. Doing really well. And uh, checked out the NBA All-Star Weekend and enjoying a lot of the commentary from folks that were looking to see Black Panther. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, tragedy shook in a lot of ways. So it was one of those up-and-down weekends from a real-life perspective within and outside of sports. Right. And, and let's um, get right into it. And uh, you, you take it where you want to take it because I definitely want to, you know, touch on the uh, the Rockets and their stuff, and the Cougars being their women's teams and their success. But whatever you want to take it, let's just get into it. Let's let's go to work. Uh, certainly, I think uh, one of the first places to take it is uh, let's just dive in on seriousness, and then we can move from there and maybe make things a little lighter in terms of uh, sports and uh, commentary on Black Panther the movie. Um, but just want to certainly say condolences to the families uh, who lost children in a massacre in Florida. I uh, really say to see that, and, and more so that in many different ways it seems that to some condition this could have been prevented, uh, at least to some degree. Uh, and so that really doubles down just how tragic uh, this becomes. Indeed, and signs, warning signs were not adhered to, and and um, it's really also just as sad when people just don't have respect for for life and other individuals, because that's part of it as well. You know, folks want to own guns. You know, that's that's a right. But if you have respect for another individual you're not going to take their life and be okay with that. Nowhere in your mind should that be your thought process. I don't like this person. I like how this person thinks. So I'm going to kill him. I'm going to become famous. I'm going to do whatever because she dumped me for some other dude and I'm going to respond and, and, and retaliate against a whole bunch of other people. That, that, that mindset has to change. Just the lack of respect that we have for, for each other, lack of respect we have for life. Is, is, is a problem, and that's one of the things that still bothers me. And then you get into other stuff, then you get into the politics of it, and people saying it's too soon to do things. Well, we've had massacres for the last 20 years, and nothing, when, when is it not going to be too soon? When are we going to do something? And then also on us, when are we, as voters, going to rise up and vote out the folks who do nothing? Because if we continue to have you folks in office, then we're part of the blame as well because we're not voting them out. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is uh, the core of it is how do you deal with these issues from a political framework. And uh, I guess you can... We've always, we have never shied away, I should say, from that. But uh, then you have the comments from Fox, Fox News, uh, which probably shouldn't surprise anybody, but LeBron James uh, provided some commentary 
uh, during his week. Um, they're celebrating All Star Weekend, and then you have people just telling them to shut up, dribble, and play, uh, which is as racist as it gets when we think about the historical nature of that. So all these things start to interplay and intermix. Um, really, though, when you think about the issue, uh, is is how it goes from the discussion on the AK uh, assault rifle weapons that were used in many of these tragedies from Las Vegas to Columbine, obviously the heartbreak up in Connecticut, and now again in Florida. Uh, and so there's one issue about guns, but really in terms of the gun of mass destruction that is used for war, and why is it so easy to get this gun uh, I think becomes a bigger issue, and it's it's pretty simple when you start looking at it. It's just how one organization, the NRA National Rifle Association, has such political stranglehold on uh, our political structure in the United States, the, the Congress, and Senate to some degree, and obviously the presidential office, is that they would have the ability to not even allow sensible discussion in terms of what should take place to help uh, put people in better positions that this doesn't take. I think it's fascinating, though, in a lot of ways that you see young people leading discussion. I've always said this in my classroom as I look at history of sports. In a lot of ways, it's always young people across the world that make changes. And it seems like this is another case where young people are really pushing uh, to see some type of change. So it'll be interesting to follow. Uh, to be uh, honest with you, I'm not hopeful. I still see a, a say that a country, I've said this to many people that I've had this uh, tragic discussion with, is that if we could not get it done, we had literally, you know, young children lose their lives in uh, Connecticut. Uh, I just, it's hard for me to believe that anything can pass that knowledge. I hope I'm wrong, uh, but it's just difficult for me to imagine uh, when you start looking at the money that is spent uh, on these officials that are taking three, four, five, six, seven, eight million dollars uh, to make sure that things do not change uh, in regards to um, any type of discussion. I mean, you can't even have meaningful discussion before they shut you down. So I don't see any change to be frank. And unfortunately, nothing has happened for you to think for a second, for an instant, that things will change. You have you have nothing to base it on in, in recent history to believe it's going to change, that politics is going to change, that that the input, the influence of NRA is going to change, of the people who are just die hard, die hard, and believe that you know, guns, that their guns will be taken away if we have stricter laws. If that, you know, we have stricter yeah, background checks. That's what, you know, that's what it, uh, to me, that's when you know the NRA has done a fabulous job uh, in a negative way to just brainwash people. Mm-hmm. Anybody that tell you that they're looking to change the law, the first thing they say is we're not trying to change. Take your guns away. So you just have warped people um, that are repetitive and speaking things that are just not true and false. And so that's where you can't even get in discussion when you have people refuse to acknowledge the truth. 
Um, so if that happens, it, that's why I said it's hard for me to imagine anything will change because you can't even have people that have serious conversations that are based on the truth. Um, and so, I mean, it, it just is amazing. It's, it's criminally amazing in a lot of ways. And I've, I've joked when I said this, but part of me thinks what I'm about to say is, is true. The laws could change if every black and brown person, black and brown man in America went on about AR-15. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a historical framework for that. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you're not just saying that uh, as you look at the racial frame of the land, but uh, back when Ronald Reagan was actually the governor of California, and we look at correct, correct. talking about Black Panthers. Black yes, Panthers. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the actual Black Panthers that uh, uh, were historically started in Oakland. Uh, they brought many things. Actually, the food lunch program that is existence to the day until I guess maybe it's taken out of school was a figment of, of what they put together and did that they only actually got uh, into the forefront when it's done across the country where we feed students. Uh, make sure they have breakfast and food and things of that nature. But obviously, many people remember uh, the pictures where they actually were dressed in all black and carried uh, guns to uh, to protect and police the neighborhood and actually against police brutality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they went to the Capitol uh, uh, because of what many people talk about, the Second Amendment right and actually gun laws. Uh, were changed in California based on that. Quickly, I might add. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a historical nature of your comments that many people may not realize when you say it, of just how true that has been, in the, at least in the past. And you, you touched on uh, the, the comment or the ignorant statement uh, said to LeBron about shut up and, and dribble. And we've heard it. We've seen it tossed around Twitter, you know, stick to sports, et cetera, ad nauseum. Well, uh, hockey, Doc, Saturday, Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks. We could talk about another podcast about that nickname for a team. It needs to be changed, too. But versus the Washington Capitals. Uh, forward Devontae Smith-Pelly, who was black, was sitting in the penalty box. And four fans started taunting him and chanting basketball, 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 as if to say, you don't belong. You shouldn't be playing hockey. You need to stick to basketball. Stick to what y'all do best. Uh, You know, commentary. Those fans were removed from the facilities, and I believe they've been banned from Blackhawk games uh, forever. But here's a a quote. So we deal with this. We, it's 2018, Doc. You and I, Wildcat, other folks that look like us have dealt with things like this before in our lives and probably continue to deal with with someone as long as living on this earth, walk this earth. And here is a quote from Devontae that he's had problems. He had it uh, 2017 when he was in the hockey tournament as a rookie and some fans, you know, go back to playing basketball. 
and the quote was that he says, I guess I kind of brushed it off, but we're at a time right now where you can't brush it under the rug. You've got to start calling people out and making sure people see other people's true colors. I'm trying to get the conversation started and show whoever these people were their true colors. So this is what, you know, we, he, LeBron and others are bringing things to the light, bringing things that have been in the darkness to the light. And on these podcasts, we discuss more than just sports. We are not going to just stick to sports. As long as we have the ability to share our opinions, we are going to give you our opinions. We are going to uh, base those opinions on substance, fact, not some sizzle, not some style, but we're going to tell you how we see it and how it is. So it bothers me when anyone says stick to whatever, stick to sports, stick to politics, stick to this. Doc, the only time you hear those words uttered is when the person does, that you are talking about does not, does not share your viewpoint. You don't say anything like that if the, to the person who agrees with you. So if that Fox commentator, because that's what she is, is a commentator, if LeBron shared her viewpoint, she would have not have told him to shut up and dribble. So it's out there for folks to see playing this day. You you don't you don't say that to people who you who you agree with. And you know the same folks say, Well, I'm not a racist. I don't mean that as a racist comment. She didn't mean that as a racist comment. She just being insulting and ignorant. Oh, okay. So that's how it is. That's how it has been. Hopefully that's not how it's going to continue to be as we get older, as your son Deuce grows up, and hopefully things will be better for him when he gets to be our age. Because I believe it's common sense. I think, Doc, you as a parent, is one of the main goals in every parent's life is to leave their the world in a better place for their children than, than they had it. Right? Absolutely. And that shouldn't, that's not a black thing, a white thing, a brown thing, a rich thing, a poor thing. That's a parent thing. Every parent wants their, his or her child to be better off than they were growing up, than they were in life. Yet somehow we have lost sight of that and put it in boxes of where well, you can't have that same viewpoint because you look like me. You didn't come where I came from. You didn't, you weren't on the right side of the tracks. So I, you want that same thing that I want. We can, we can go on and on about all this kind of stuff. But let's talk about on the court things. And it, it, it is how, amazing how life works. Reversing the Black Panthers in Oakland and what they did for their citizens and neighbors. And we are going to talk about the movie Black Panther. And I saw it. I think you saw it yesterday, Saturday. And I saw it today. I saw it today. Okay, great. So it's excellent on many levels. We're going to come back to that. 
because I want to talk about the Cougars basketball, then Rockets, and they'll ask you to talk about HBCUs, and then we'll go back and touch on the Black Panther, the movie, and its importance and relevance. So that's a few things. Real quick, Doc, if you if you saw Black Panther today, you may not have had a chance to see the U of H men basketball team go into Philadelphia and run all over Temple and just seem like it was two shifts passing the night. Cougars won 80 to 59. <laughs> they, they jumped out to a 15 zip lead. And that was it. That, that, that was it. The game was never close. You basically led by as much as 32 points in the second half and crew to the victory. The win is important and impressive to me and I think, you know, other folks because Thursday night, U of H upset fifth-ranked Cincinnati here in town at TSU's H&P Arena by five, 67-62, to be biggest win over top five program in years. So the natural letdown. Today was a, a natural letdown. Folks would not have been surprised if U of H would have struggled because they said, oh, well, you know, it has came out for a huge win. So it might have some difficult time because Temple was tr- playing for the tournament live today. They needed this win desperately to have with any little shot of reaching the tournament left. So they, they needed this win. Cougs had, had none of that. And to their credit, Corey Davis Jr. and Devin Davis uh, were the two players that spoke to the media after Thursday's win over Cincinnati. And both of them said, Friday, Friday's practice will be the most important practice of the season. That's the next day after beating Cincinnati. So they already had the mindset of a time to go to work. Next big game is against Temple. So they didn't even have, they did not allow themselves to have a letdown. And it showed on the court today, Corey Davis had game high 20 points, made six three-pointers, and Devin Davis, I think he had 15 points. It was just an, a very impressive showing. And the uh, announcer, the play-by-play guy for CBS Sports Network during the game, he said, in his opinion, that he believes U of H is the best team in the American Conference. I kind of was surprised at that. Uh, since that is still in first place, the loss to U of H was their first loss in conference. Now, as we do this podcast, Cincinnati lost earlier Sunday at home to Wichita State. To now, Cincinnati is 12 and 2, and the Cougars and Wichita State are 11 and 3. So it's only a one game difference with, I think, four games left in the regular season in the conference play. So there's still a chance that there could be a three way tie. And I believe, if I figured out everything correctly, because of the tiebreakers, uh, depending on the scenario, Wichita State would be would win three-way tie because they would have a better record among the three teams head-to-head. And then you got so, it. So, I mean, Wichita State, U of H, then Cincinnati. But just to hear a, a national announcer say, consider U of H as the best team in the American, says a lot and indicates how far the program has come in the short time Kelvin Sampson and his staff have been at U of H. They're 21 and 5 right now, 11 and 3, as I mentioned in the conference. 
Um, earlier, not counting today's results, the NCAA team sheet based on games through Saturday, the Cougars had an RPI of 20. Their overall metrics numbers was around out of the six metrics that the NCAA selection committee, selection committee uses was roughly 25. So some bracketologists have the Cougs as a nine seed. That was based before today's win at Temple. Some had them at a 10. So there's, you know, the chance that U of H could end up a seven or an eight. And I mentioned, I think I referenced it in the last podcast that, that I thought there was a chance they could get as high as an eight, eight or a nine. Looks like that, that's, it could happen. That Their next game is Thursday at Memphis. Memphis will be at home, but U of H should be the favorite. And then, so, I mean, they'll be favorite the last four games. It's, it's at Memphis, uh, home for East Carolina, then at a banged-up SMU squad, and then senior day, the last game of the regular season would be March 4th, Sunday, against UConn. So, things are looking up for U of H to definitely have an at-large spot at, the, at least in the NCAA tournament. And the conference tournament is in Orlando and the way they're playing right now. I think it's safe to say that I don't believe anybody will be surprised if U of H, Wichita State, or Cincinnati win the conference championship. And of course, whoever does that gets the automatic berth into the NCAA tournament. So a lot has happened since it was a gloom and doom from early in the season when U of H lost to Drexel, who was, you know, the Cougs' worst loss this season. They lost that game because they missed free throw down the stretch. So they were like three for 11 down the stretch, lost by two or four points. So, and I remember after that loss, me and some friends were like, this is, this is going to be another horrible season. How wrong we were. So, 20 wins later, 21 later, 21 to 5, and, and going forward, women's side, Doc, yesterday, U of H women picked up the 20th win of this season for the 12th time in program history, but the, for the first time since the 2010-2011 season, they scored 97 points yesterday to, to defeat East Carolina, 97-81. Sophomore Angela Harris scored a career-high 32 points. She made seven three-point shots. And you can go to uh, my Twitter account as well as Instagram to hear her comments to the media. And I'm Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm VHR Review. So you can hear her comments. And she said basically she got into the gym. Her shot had deserted her for the last few games. She went into the gym, worked on the fundamentals, got down to the basics, worked on a follow through, and you see the results. So she had a much better, more efficient shooting game, helped lead the coup to the victory. The 20 wins, like I said, first time in seven, eight seasons. Head coach Ronald Huey said to media as well um, in his postgame comments, we didn't celebrate the 20 wins because it's about to become the norm here at U of H. This is what we now expect to accomplish year in, year out. So once again, you can go to the Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review, and me on Twitter at VHR Review. And hear those comments, and he's getting th- those comments are getting viewed 
I think close to a thousand views on those comments from, from Coach Huey. So he's getting recognized by fans, alums, and coaches around the country are, are giving him kudos for the accomplishment and for the comments. But when Coach Huey took the job and at that intro press conference, he told media there, and he said it again Saturday. I told folks that I believe we can win that championship here in Houston. Folks laughed at me. I told folks that we can win 20 games a year here in Houston. Folks laughed at me. Well, we got one thing done. We got something else to, to get accomplished as part of the journey. So, And as listeners know through these podcasts and in my interviews that I have a separate podcast, in the summertime, Coach Huey told me that he expects the team to reach the tournament, any some postseason play this year. They're going to get that done, not Doc. So he's accomplished that goal. So he's got two goals now. So you got to give him credit. He and his staff credit for for this next step in the progression of uh, the program moving forward. And um, we'll see how things go as season winds down. But what the recruit has, he has coming in for next year, I believe next year's team will be better than this year's team. So that shows you how my expectations have risen for that squad as well. So U.S. basketball is doing things well. Rockets have won 10 games in a row. Got the best record in the NBA, 44-13. and 13. They signed Joe Johnson and Brent, Brent, Brendan Wright as um, buyout free agents when they were traded from teams and had bought out contracts. Doc. Folks, Rocket fans must love the fact that Joe Johnson is a Rocket because his Instagram clip has like 10,000 views from for a minute of, from 40 seconds of commentary. 10,000 views for him saying to the media Wednesday, and he signed early Wednesday and played later because Eric Gordon has some back stiffness and, of course, Trevor Reza is still out. So Joe said, I didn't, I, I played positions, defended positions. I didn't defend in two years because of how often the Rockets switch on defense. So Joe said, yeah, I mean, I was defending, I was guarding point guard, shooting guard, center. I had to get, <laughs> I had to know in a while. How did you saw all those things? So once again, Instagram, Houston Ron Barview, go to that, watch that. Thousands of views on that one. Harden, thousands of views on his comments. Chris Paul, thousands of views on his comments. So, Rockets are popular, Doc. Folks love winter. Folks love who they love, you know, star-wise. Star power works. As we know, sometimes bad, but we know star power carries weight. So Rockets will get back from the All-Star break until Friday, and we'll go from there. Fascinated with the Rockets in, in regards to where they're going. I'm interested to see what uh, Johnson can do in terms of being another scorer. I'm not sure what he can do on the defensive side of the floor uh, as he's gotten older. Um, but this team is getting the depth that I think it needs to play against Golden State. They've showed that they have the ability to play with them scoring-wise. They've been able to play a significantly better defense, and this is another piece of the puzzle. And so I'm intrigued to see the next couple of games and see what this looks like. Obviously, as things start to slow down in the uh, playoffs, he has the ability to not only shoot at the uh, outside, but post 
and take position by position opportunity to help spread the floor and get buckets at a time, uh, whether he's in the starting rotation to some degree, uh, but favorably probably coming off the bench with the second group uh, gives you another scoring punch. So I think all in all, it's a great move. I'm just waiting to see what another piece of the puzzle uh, for the Houston Rockets does as they uh, try to make this run uh, for a championship in the playoffs. And I believe Wildcat has joined us, sir. Yeah, man, I'm here, man. Thank you very much. I was, t- I was taking care of some other business and all, uh, but yeah, I'm here. No uh, problem. It's been a bad week uh, for the Owls. Uh, both teams went hold, down. And hold, hold that thought real quick, Wildcat. Hold that thought real quick. Because I want to get comments right. on the Rockets. But, Doc, the Rockets are so deep, I'm not sure how many players D'Antoni's going to play because he has a track record come playoffs of playing seven guys, maybe eight at the most. Rockets now nine, 10, 11 deep. So I don't – Gerald Green is not going to play unless somebody gets hurt. You got Joe Johnson now on the squad. Gerald's minutes are gone. You know, you got the starting five with Chris Paul, Harden, a healthier Reza, and with maybe for right now, P.T. P. Tucker, Clint Capella. That's five. Come off the bench, Eric Gordon, Luke Bamute, Ryan Anderson, Joe Johnson, Nene, Brendan Wright. Where's Joe Ring going to play? Joe Johnson may take Ryan Anderson's minutes. <laughs> this team is so deep. I'm really looking forward to seeing what D'Antoni does with it, with all this quality veteran depth. Because, and you have to probably massage some egos. He said it in post game a few times now. Guys are going to have to sacrifice a minute. We know that. He said it. The players can say one thing right now. It looks good because they're winning. But come playoff time, and I might get my minutes, man. What's up with all this, man? I mean, I didn't sign that. I didn't come in for this. Yeah, I want to play. You know, what if that happens? I'm not expecting it because it's a veteran group and these guys seem to want to win a championship. But, you know, I'm throwing it out there. What do y'all think? Well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a real good question because. Uh, I think the most I've seen him, well, over the, since he's been coaching the team, even in, in, in the best of situations, uh, and that's looking at, you know, blowouts late in the game, like fourth quarter, about five or ten minutes, about five minutes to go, you know, guys going to the bench, and if there's no stress, uh, and that's maybe nine guys, and that's like one or two games, and that's in, in a, maybe one game in a series. So it's, you're right. It could be some grumbling, and and we don't know what's going to happen when when that blows up in everybody's face. Will the locker room stay together? Uh, will a leader emerge and says, "Okay, for the better good, let's make a run," and then see where this goes. And and, and and like I said, I tossed it out there, and also as we know, and listeners who are NBA fans know, the playoffs, the schedule. You got at least one day off between games, if not two, especially in the first round, where it seems like first round takes a month to get done. 
you may have a game on game one on Monday and game two on Friday, you know, that kind of scenario. So if you have more off, you know, more days off, then D'Antoni really has, doesn't have a reason to go deep into his bench. But these guys seem to really enjoy spending time with each other. I mean, practices, the little bit the media gets, gets to see, these guys are having the fun. Now, part of that probably is because of winning. Winning cures a lot. But I think these, these guys enjoy being around each other on the court and off the court. But you're tossing in two new dudes and Joe Johnson and Brendan Wright. I mean, they are veterans. And they have not really, don't have a track record. Neither one of them have a track record of rocking the boat in previous places. But, you know, anything's possible. It, it all got, all it takes one person from outside, friend, wife, mom, girlfriend, agent, former teammate. Say, man, why aren't you playing? You better than him. You know, just talk, just throw it out there. I'm being a, I'm being a Peter Bessie, you know, throwing stuff against the wall. I'll see if it sticks. So. Stay in the pot, man. Stay in the pot. Doc, what do you think, man? As I said, um, I'm fascinated to see what plays out. You have to believe Coach Antonio is going to uh, lengthen his bench. I mean, you're right. Historically, he just has not done that. But the collection of talent is so deep now, he has to find a way to put his talent on, on, on display uh, during the playoffs. And it'll be interesting to see on the second half of the season, does he start that? Obviously, he um, has been notorious, even in the regular season, not going so much as been. So we'll get some indication in the second half. Has he kind of learned his lesson, or is he going to change his mind to play that? But as you said, the particular interest we'll see in the playoffs, uh, just what he'll do. And I guess we can use back and forth. That's what we do. But I think at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be anyone's guess. We just, outside of you having it, chance to really interview him and even at that point you would think that he would say one thing but sometimes habits are hard to break so in crunch time you may plan to go deeper but if that's what you're so used to mentally if he's not careful he's going to go back to that and he's already said a lot of this is also going to be in regards to the matchups they play uh, and will he have short playoffs before they get to the big game against the Golden State Warriors, as we imagine, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what it looks like in a regular season one-two matchup. So I think that can have some indication. If you're dominating teams and playing really well, it becomes much easier to go into your bench. I think it's going to become interesting when it gets down in those stretches and games are close you try to pull them out. Do you have the ability throughout a game to understand that you need to make sure that you're having a rotation that your players are fresh, uh, particularly with what uh, at the guard position when you're talking about the injury that goes on there. The more that you can keep people fresh, uh, the better it is in terms of going down the stretch. So I'm just fascinated to watch it. I think it's one of those compelling stories that would be intriguing to see going down the rest of the season and obviously in the playoffs. And then Tony has already said that he trusts Joe Johnson you know, from the time that had to go in Phoenix. He already he trusts him. 
he knows what he can do. He's got him. He's already got in his mind. He can sit. Mm-hmm. He can guard and play one through four. Then Tony said that. So that's not good. We'll see. Well, not good for who? It's oh, not me. You know, it's not. It's not our problem. Oh, the bottom line is win. It's, it's, <laughs> no, so it's not our problem. Like, like I said, it, that, that's not good. You 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 bringing in somebody that I mean you you, you negotiate a situation that you, you could get depth. And the guy you bring it in, who's got to adjust to what's already what's going on, has got to blend in and mix with this locker room. Uh, and doesn't have a, 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 you're not sure yet of who is a true leader in, on this on this squad. Uh, it's been going like it's going for a while now, and everybody's okay with that. But as a coach, you made a decision to make publicly. Uh, yeah, this is a guy that, that I'm familiar with and that I trust. Somebody, and you just, you know, just alluded to minutes and all, of somebody's having to, somebody's going to suffer. And who that might be or who, who it probably will be, we don't know yet because the situation hasn't arose road yet uh, because the playoffs hadn't started. But in a series, anything can happen. And right now, you just want to get to the end of the season and provide a, and a different situation to uh, deal with uh, whatever in front of you. And I just, uh, I just hope that, you know, for the team's sake or for the city's sake, that uh, if I can make a long run, uh, more specifically, I would appreciate it if they get made it as far as the Western Conference Finals. Agreed, because it's great. It's great for uh, my website and my social platforms. So the more, they, the better they do. The more popular they get, more wins they rack up, more visits I get, and all my stuff too. So it, it works for me as well. Um, but going to backtrack, while can you touched on a little bit? It wasn't this past week. It was not a good week for Rice House men's or women's basketball. So go ahead, uh, discuss that. Okay, two factors. One, as usual, I don't know what's going on, you know, when these teams leave town or whatever, or the confines of their home court. Um, this, they, they're just two different squads. And this week, the Rice men had pretty much their worst situation uh, to transpire of, you know, yesterday when they played uh, Western Kentucky. Uh, it, it wasn't a good game. It wasn't a good loss. Uh, they, they, it was almost like they had sold it all, put it all together on Thursday. And as uh, Coach uh, Perra alluded to, uh, fatigue was the fact that going down the street. And on yesterday, last night, uh, or on Thursday when they lost to uh, Marshall, uh, fatigue was the fact that going down the stretch and they just didn't have enough to finish. And on yesterday, they just got out of Um What's going to take the space for you to do what they need to do or whatever they wanted to do, rather, down in the paint. Scored a lot of points. Uh, didn't do a lot of fast breaking. They just basically methodically just worked the ball around, spread it right down, uh, got the ball down in the paint, and they just abused them. Uh, the team right now, is just, as, a, as a unit, the guys have all said it even in the uh, post uh that it's still, they're still looking at 
try to make a looking at the uh, cost of family. I don't know how many years they're going uh, to need to get there, but uh, they're taking a uh, top 10 team in the uh, top 10, top 12. I think it is uh, to the conference this year long. The last two teams in the tournament, I mean, the conference definitely won't make the uh, uh, split. So. And with that, you know, they, they, they've got a game this week. I don't know really, um hopefully they can, they can get it back together. It's got a, a while yet, so I think it's fair to when they get back out. They've got time off and takes that, uh, you know, on Monday when they get back to work. Hopefully that, you know, it'll be enough to rest or whatever that they can get there, make a run down the stretch. Uh, they've got four games left. And he's just looking to you know, finish strong. Feel a uh, confidence factor, you know, to finish out, and hopefully they can get that done. Now, on the women's side, they just looked like a totally different sport when they left town. Uh, started out, they lost their heartbreaker to uh, UAB team that beat that, that swept them this, uh, this season. Uh, and that's been a while. That, that hadn't happened in, in a good while. So I think UAB has been in the conference. They've never swept the lady out. Uh, first game on Thursday. It was a heartbreaker because they worked the the game close to jab, and they just didn't have enough to finish. Now down the stretch, uh, two or three minutes of the uh, game, and lost to UAB seventy to sixty-three. They couldn't finish, Um, and it was also a game we supposed to be both played, uh, which was good to see. Now yesterday, uh, it was afternoon game. It was televised on ESPN three. Thank goodness. Some USA doesn't have a lot of games scheduled on you. The ESPN, uh, just on the four letters, basically because they've got their own uh, conference TV uh, network. And this, I don't know if it's working good for them, but it's, you know, it's money back or whatever. Hopefully they can figure it out. But um, yesterday, Middle Tennessee just kind of like just worked them uh, and kept the game close. But they also stretched them out. Uh, and I think they went almost uh, a little over six minutes with their later hours not being able to score. The first half was really interesting in the fact that uh, pre-season uh, conference player of the year, Alex Johnson had no points, and uh, Erica Gumagay only had two. Uh, both finished with double figures, but for Alex, uh, she didn't finish the game. She made the foul out, um, and they could... Uh, and with that, they were at Middle Tennessee was able to contend by just slowing the game totally down, working the clock, pretty much doing what uh, what Rice normally does when they're at home. But they were able to keep uh, Erica on the bench. Uh, she was not effective until late when they tried to make a uh, run. And then, as we all have watched, Late game situation about three minutes ago. If I want to go to, you know, foul this one, foul that one, walk the ball up, get the ball call time, I'd get the ball to half, half court and attempt to get a, to get a shot off real quick, real quick and, uh, turn over. Just, you just, you know, you work the clock down, about three or four seconds or five seconds left to go, try and get a shot off and it just never happened for him. Uh, Hopefully they can get it back together and against this this upcoming week 
when they have a chance to play at home against, uh, let me make sure I'm getting this right, Marshall on Thursday. Hopefully they can get that game. They can use that game now to get back in, uh, and to uh, stay in the top four teams in the top four who have a bye uh, scheduling conference tournament. Because as I said in uh, uh, some of my tweets and all, uh, they can't have no hiccups. They've got to stay in that top four to get to, to uh, even get a chance of extending uh, conference players. I know it's a lot of uh, terms in the postseason terms and all out there. But as you allude to, KD is all about getting to the dance. Right now, U of H has an opportunity. Uh, I hadn't seen what the voting went, how the voting went today, or uh, what it looks like tomorrow. Hopefully, that U of H women should receive uh, votes today. They they're making a run. It's going this this is do or die for them uh, this this year uh, and making intentions for both the men and the women program to both make it to the tournament together. Hopefully that'll happen. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hoping that uh, Rice Owls, the, the Lady Owls, to make the tournament also, and they've got to make it to the conference tournament final to even get a, a, a shot. Whoa, 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 UAB is going to get, get their shot because they, right now they're a strong team. But, uh, that mean, they're, they're not an at-large yeah. team, though. Well, let me ask you this question because I see why USL, you know, just ranked this week. Uh, I had this, well, they were, they were ranked as of yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, 22 or 23, I think that's where they are. Mm-hmm. How many teams out of the the American the low UConn and the American is going to get a shot outside of USF. That's it. Nobody else has a shot. Nope. Okay. U of H blew that shot when they lost on the road at Tulsa. They needed to run the table, which includes winning at USF. That game is this coming Wednesday, and then beating UCF Saturday here in Houston. Because they don't have any good high RPI wins, no any good wins, so they have to be USF and UCF to negate their bad losses, which is what a loss in to a conference opponent not named UConn is. You know, USF. Let me ask you. USF had a big win beating Ohio State, uh, I think a week ago, to get back into the top twenty-five poll, and I voted them in. Uh, on my ballot for the top 25 in the, the uh, sport tours, who'd be top 25 division one women's basketball poll because of that, because they beat Ohio State, really dominated Ohio State too. But even before that, USF, UConn were the two teams from the American that were in the tournament. Charlie Queen said, I contacted him. You know, you spoke to Charlie before. Charlie, I asked him what U of H needed to do, and he said, they got to get some good wins. And this was, be- this was a month ago. Well, oh. conference-wise, the only good wins you have 
the only chance you have are USF, UCF, and UConn. Well, they ain't ready to be UConn yet. So they haven't played USF or UCF yet. So that's right now. So that means between this week and the something they got from UConn, everybody they played in between has been considered a bad loss, and they've lost some of those games. So they 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 would have to get to the conference championship, which means beating USF probably twice and probably UCF again twice. If they do that, then they'd have four good wins and, you know, get to the conference championship game and lose to UConn, of course, because miracle is not going to happen like that. <laughs> and then all that would have to happen. You'd have to look at the other teams and conferences around the country to see how those four good wins in the last two weeks compared to teams in the Pac-12, like a, like a USC or, you know, other teams like that who have, may not have as many good wins, but the conference opponents that they play are better. And USC has, has beaten some of the teams in the Pac-12 for a good win. So it's, it's uh, a tough road to hold for UVA to get there. And it's even more difficult for Rice. USA is, is a one-bit league because West Kentucky is not far to lose games in conference. So those are bad losses in conference. In West Kentucky, you can't afford that. So their chances of getting at-large bid are going down the drain. Yeah, because they've, they've split with, uh, with Rice. Uh, yeah, that's not a good thing. I'm not going Rice, but at home. you know, in terms of the selected committee, West Kentucky losing to Rice, that's a bad loss. It's a good win for Rice because it shows how the program is progressing, that's the, but that's that's a, a bad loss for West Kentucky. Doc, got to talk to you about TSU and the men's team dwindling for more. <laughs> so what can you discuss about Trayvon Reed and, and Lamont walking along dealing with the program. Yeah, they at this point they're gone, but we've heard that before the season uh, with um, a player getting suspended, ultimately coming back after five games. So we'll have to see is that again the case uh, here uh, with these guys getting kicked off the team. The, the big news you can get is just this Saturday that they got a last-second three to win the game against Mississippi Valley State. Um, but uh, their hopes are dwindling. Uh, um, this is a team that brought in a lot of transfers, uh, but that has happened in the past. But there are a couple of things to point out that really are different about this team this year than in the past in regards to the transfers. In the past, when you look at the, the transfers, they've been able to gel over the season. But this year, they had injury, unlike what they've really had in the past. Uh, they've also obviously lost a defensive uh, coach uh, to Alabama A&M that is heading the program over there. And then you have the fact that um, you just had guys that um, have not really played as a team together and have been outspoken and frustrated by losing to some degree, but they just haven't really listened to the coach. So it just hasn't uh, panned out. It was Dante Clark that hit the three at the end of the game. 
uh, to salvage their win from the Mississippi Valley is uh, they're just piling up losses unlike they've ever seen before. But they're still, you know, sitting tied for a fourth prayer view uh, in the conference. So who's to know those that have seen Texas Southern in the past still want to hold in hope that somehow maybe uh, they can get it done to make a run uh, in the tournament. But they're in a position now, if they're not careful, they won't even host uh, a first-round game at home. It's looking more like they probably will get one regardless. Doc, I got a question for you real quick. (laughs) Who who is not eligible for for the tournament? If anybody, I was just getting there. Okay. Actually, the, the the one team is Grambling, which has won eleven straight games, sitting in first place with a two game advantage, sitting at eleven and three, uh, tied for second uh, uh, in terms of wins and losses. Is Southern, obviously on Pine Bluff at nine and two, and then you have two teams tied with uh, them from the loss category, but with only eight wins as they haven't played the full slate of games. So you have Texas Southern. And Prairie tied at eight and five. So at this point, uh, Texas Southern would host a first round game because Grambling is not eligible for postseason play, so they won't be going in the tournament. Uh, that was a bit of contention, as you remember, last several years, regardless of teams that were banned from postseason, uh, the SWAC would have everybody come to the game. I mean, come to the, be participants in the tournament. And that went away last year as the president voted against that. The other team that is not eligible is Alabama and you know, sitting at two and eleven. So they were gonna have a tough chance of making the playoffs. And they are um, four games back essentially of the team they would have to catch to get in that eighth position along with Valley. Uh, but Alabama A and M and Bramlin will not uh, be eligible for postseason, so the rest of the eight teams, no matter where they fall, will get in the tournament. And so that's what's going on on the men's side uh, with quite a bit of interest uh, taking place there. On the, on the women's side, it's a little closer than that. Uh, Southern took a loss this past Saturday, uh, which makes them even with Texas Southern. So Texas Southern sits at 10-3 and while Southern sits at 11-3. So Texas Southern is half game back. Texas Southern has won three straight games after that road loss to Prairie View. Uh, and Southern just took the L, like I said, this Saturday. So, Grambling is sitting in the third position at 10-4, and four, full game back of Southern. And Prairie View is sitting at 8-5. and five, uh, And then you kind of see the bottom start to fall out with Jackson State and Alabama State both sitting with seven losses. So that's kind of what you see in the SWAC. Real quick, uh, Doc. Uh, going down. Real quick. I, interesting to see what... I just want to acknowledge PV's Shayla Dobbins for uh, dropping a 40-piece on Palm Bluff Saturday in PV's 89-72 win over Arkansas Palm Bluff, scoring 40 points in the game. That's a big deal. So kudos to her. Yeah, exactly. You put uh, you giving buckets. You need to get much shout-outs to, uh, out to uh, Prairie View and Lady Panthers for getting the win as well. Uh, with 40 points going into that matchup. Big deal there. And it proves to 8-5 and five as they get a win over Arkansas Pine Bluff, 89-72. Uh, Alabama A&M wins over Altmore State, 74-63. Uh, and you have Grambling getting a win over Jackson State, where they go 10-4, and four, as I told you, defeating Jackson State, 93-89 at home. And Alabama State, Stunner uh, over Southern, 58-56. This has been a rival the last couple of years, so 
Uh, it shouldn't surprise you that Alabama State would come to play uh, Southern just because of, uh, of the matchup. Alabama State got a big win over Prairie View uh, in Texas Southern as well this year. So they played really well at home, particularly in tough top teams in the league, to give some indication there. Uh, but really the big game for uh, this Saturday was Prairie View getting their overtime win over Pine Bluff, where Pine Bluff is struggling mightily, uh, losing to Prairie View 76-71. to 71. That was a big overtime win as Gary, Gary Blackson and Dennis Jones each had 17 points uh, to get it done as Trayvon Harper puts up 22 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. But could not get the win as Arkansas Pine Bluff has now lost four straight games on the men's side. So they're really uh, injuries, and um, this is the team. Uh, that started off with eight straight victories before they hit that uh, uh, dead trail and have lost five of their last six, six matchups. So fascinating to see what's going on there in terms of the, um, the swag. It's gotten a little closer in the MEAC and kind of give you a quick update on that as you had Savannah State. It looked like they were controlling the division. Now has a Saturday loss after defeating A&T last Monday. They have a two-game lead, really a three-game lead when you think about the head-to-head-to-head matchup. But they have a tough loss um, as they didn't get it done until they go to 10-2 and two as North Carolina A&T wins. And so they go to 9-3. and three. Tied with Bethune-Cookman at 9-3. and three. And then Hampton is really playing some good basketball, winning five straight games as they go 9-4 and four, uh, in terms of that matchup. So keep your eyes on the MEAC. Give you some indication there. Savannah State lost that game after winning uh, like nine straight games. They, they lost to Norfolk State, eighty-five to seventy-seven. So Hampton uh, played Savannah State. Savannah State has a tough matchup. They play at Hampton, as I said. Hampton has won uh, four straight games, looking really good. So I'm kind of intrigued on that matchup on Monday. Give some indications what's going on there. Really on the women's side of, uh, of the basketball, you still have. Uh, Bethune Cookman really getting done in the MIAC. Uh, but they have North Carolina A&T that has lost one game uh, sitting behind. And that's the game that will be played in a week and a half, if you would. So that's one to keep your eyes on. Is Bethune Cookman is sitting at 12-0 and 0, and North Carolina A&T sitting at 11-1. They do face that game date is February the 26th uh, before they close the season against the rival. Uh, against FAMU. That is a home game for Bethune-Cookman against A&T, so that's one to keep your eyes on that MEAC race to see who will fall in the top. And it's really between those two teams sitting behind them. Uh, Hampton, Lady Pirates sitting at 9-4, and four, and then Norfolk sitting at 8-4. So a couple of games, a lead there. So those teams will battle it out for first on the MEAC on the women's side. Really fascinated what's going on. Quickly, I did want to give some love to the SIC. In terms of a game that came down between Morehouse and Clark Atlanta, as uh, Morehouse defeated Clark Atlanta, triple overtime. Uh, that was a seven o'clock game. They started selling tickets early in the day and had a line at four o'clock. Gym was packed, a lot of buzz in terms of that matchup, and it lived up to the classic. So I wanted to give some indication there for those two top twenty-five teams, nationally ranked battling out as Morehouse gets it done, 77-76, defeating their rival, Clark Atlanta, uh, where they go to 22-1 and in the entire season, 16-1 and in the conference races, Clark Atlanta's 15-2. and 
and 21 and 3 overall. Uh, and you have Classlin that actually beat both of those teams um, early in the season, sitting at 13 and 5. So it'll be a fascinating tournament race there. Uh, Clark Atlanta women are winning the East Division in terms of the race there. They give you some updates there on that side. Uh, if you look at the HBC and the Red River Conference, Red River Athletic Conference is Wilder College clinched the bid on the men's side to the tournament sitting at 17-9 and 10-6 and overall to give you some indications of what's going on at the NIA level uh, in terms of men's basketball. You have Houston Tillerson representing the HBCs in the Red River Athletic Conference. He's also clinched a bid to the regular season uh, tournament for the women's side of the Red River Athletic Conference with Houston Tillerson sitting at 12-9 overall. 11 and 5, uh, and Wiley College is sitting in fifth position trying to fight to make sure they can find a way in the tournament, sitting at 8 and 8, to give you some updates there. On the CIAA side, really intrigued about some of these tough teams that are getting it done. Top ranked teams in terms of Virginia, Virginia State, both uh, top 25 teams. Virginia Union sitting at 23 and 2. On the women's side, and Virginia State sitting at 21 and 3 uh, in terms of teams that are ranked top 25 on the women's side. And then Fayetteville State is getting it done in the Southern Division sitting at 14 and 9, 8 and 0. Um, so it'll be interesting in terms of that time, tournament as this coming up in a couple of weeks as we start to close up the regular season for these Division II programs. On the mid side, you have Virginia State really playing well. Top 25 uh, team like Morehouse and Clark Atlanta. They sit at 21 and 3, 11 and 3 in the conference race, and 7 and 1 in the division to give you some indication of what's going on in the Northern Division. Quietly, Johnson C. Smith is holding its own in the Southern Division, sitting at 7 and 9, at uh, 10 and 4 in the conference race, tied with Shaw at 10 and 4, but they have one game lane in the division. And they sit at 7 and 1, and Shaw is right behind them at 6 and 2, who's 18 and 8 overall. In the Gold Coast Athletic Conference, um, you have Talladega sits at 19-7 overall, 8-2, and two, uh, just one game lead over Diller sitting at 8-3. and three. Diller had a big win over the rival Xavier uh, this past Saturday. You get some indication of what's going on in the Gold Coast Athletic Conference. On the women's side, you have Diller sitting at 21-4, and four, uh, top 25 team in the NIA poll ranking, sitting at 9-2 in the conference, playing some really good basketball. So you see Men's and women's getting it done for Dillard. Sitting behind the Dillard women are Edward Waters uh, in terms of Thomas Race. They're 21 4 in overall and 6 and 3 in conference. So they're a half game back in regards uh, on the L column in terms of those races. So that's an update from uh, the SWAC and MEAC. Some intriguing stuff that was going out there. No, we're getting a little long time. But uh, uh, really, people are really getting it done in terms of what you see in terms of the Black Panthers. Looking on Facebook, you have some uh, intriguing commentary on there uh, with people talking about uh, black colleges in regards to how they match up with different characters in the movie. You also see it in terms of Greek fraternities and sororities talking about it. So it's comedic in that area. I thought what was fascinating in the movie is the kind of transition, the natural transition in terms of that movie, as we want to talk a little bit about it, is just how I know it's a really 
solid movement in a lot of ways just because you have so much different commentary with people coming in different areas. Uh, those that kind of look from it from a liberationist standpoint uh, have some concerns about the movie in terms of how it moves and how it portrays Eric Killamonger, uh in terms of his framework. Um, and you have those assimilationists uh, that like different parts of it, segregationists, abolitionists, integrationists, when you look at some of the terminology we use mm -hmm. and how we face it. So I thought it was fascinating to see it, especially when you look at it from a racist or anti-racist ideas. Uh, but I think a uh, great movie, obviously, breaking box houses uh, just in the United States and around the world. So you know that uh, there certainly will be a sequel. And Wildcat, have you seen it? Tomorrow is my day, 345. Okay, you'll enjoy it. I, I am certain you'll enjoy it. But it's it's uh, visually stunning, but the layers and the the, the uh, subtleties yeah, in the movie layers. are outstanding. It makes you think. I hope it opens some people's eyes and ears who hadn't considered certain topics for discussion or <laughs> realities. I'm going to see it again uh, probably this week. Uh, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is an excellent movie on so many different levels. And I'm glad it's getting attention and recognition and, and and creating conversation because that's all part of what a good movie should be, in my opinion. So, Wildcat, you know, once you see it, uh, then, no, you know. and then once again, we'll, <laughs> we'll come back and once again, we'll, we'll, we'll add, get your take on it in a, in a future podcast as, as well. But, I do encourage folks to see really it. Explore some of the topics that you talk about, Chris, because it won't no longer be a spoiler alert mm -hmm. after we get back to the party. So it is. I'm not worried about the spoiler alert. I'm just like you said. You mentioned about the many layers, uh, the graphics, you know how much effort was put into making the movie. What is the uh, and the character stand out, being accepted across all uh, uh, all the all the vendors, the the venues, media uh, outlets, everybody having positive things to say. You know, I'll be a part of that because I'm interested in just you know the layers of the movie and the graphics. You know, the story being told, it's just how much it would add to the uh, to the Avengers uh, that that part of that platform uh, with, with heroes and. Yes, it's coming out in, in February, Black History Month, but for the three of us, we all know every day is Black History Day. Uh, we make history, Black History every day. Every day we do so, something. I think another part of the, uh, the movie that is also intriguing and hadn't necessarily got a lot of layers, and you'll probably hear it a little more when you get into the award ceremony, is Kendrick Lamar's score of the entire movie fits. Really perfect oh, really? Mm -hmm. movie. Uh, it's been highly ranked as well. A lot of people that review music talks about how it was a perfect soundtrack to the movie in a lot of ways. So I think that's another layered part uh, when we get back and get a chance to really get into a different frames of the movie that you, you will be able to enjoy. So listen to the soundtrack in the morning before you go to it and you hear it throughout the 
uh, movie, and I think it will make your uh, movie watching pleasure even more. more All right. All right. I, I, I appreciate that, fellas, because I'm looking, definitely looking forward to it. And, gentlemen, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Doc, you first. How can folks find you on the internet? Yes, you can check me on the internet at thc-agency.com. That's thc-agency.com. And you can catch me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, you can follow me uh, as well for our live broadcast every Tuesday from 545 to 715 at uh, KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, and you can go to www.caseways-tv and watch us streaming uh, live, or you can follow me and watch uh, me stream in terms of Facebook Live at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill again at D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Wacky, how can folks find you, sir? Find me online at different media outlet platforms, Facebook, uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, and J. L. Woodley Jr. Jerry L. Wood, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. and J. L. Woodley One. Uh, YouTube, Blogger, SoundCloud. You can find me at AKSVCSR. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram and YouTube, VHR Review on Twitter. Our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pod Directory, etc. We have a Facebook page for the podcast at KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook. So check us out there. Um, we appreciate the listeners. When I posted a comment I posted earlier today that I sent you all in the, in the text format, that we are sports and more. and We do not just stick to to sports. We don't just shut up and dribble. We've had some positive feedback on that when I asked folks to listen to this podcast. So, Thank you for that support. Thank you for that thumbs up and that acknowledgement. We're going to continue giving you what, what we believe is correct. We're going to give you, continue giving you our opinions, share our opinions and thoughts with you from our perspective. So, gentlemen, thank you for your time. We're getting closer and closer to Columbus and the Women's Final Four. Yep. Looking forward to it. Um, yep. Real quick, gentlemen, real quick. We've got the big game. Monday night, Baylor, Texas, women's basketball. Who you got? Me watching. I'm going to be rolling with Baylor. I'm just looking with the – I'm going with the list down. Doc, who you got? I'm going to go with Texas. Let me see. Uh, Walker, do you know off the top of your head, is it in Waco or is it in Austin? I'm going to check real quick if you know it. Hold on. Uh, but I think that game is in, uh, is in Waco. Uh, honestly, I don't believe it's gonna matter. I'm picking. I'm it's picking Baylor. <laughs> because at the end of the day, if you don't show up ready to play, you need to get what you gonna get. I'm gonna say it just like that. But both teams are not ready are to playing play. well. 
And, I mean, Baylor is on a 22-game winning streak. The only loss yeah. of the season was, was, oh, was in Austin. The only loss of the season was at UCLA, and uh, Lauren Cox was unavailable. And Coach Morky did, did not coach in that game either because of a tragedy in her family with her granddaughter. Right. So if you don't count that, they've been undefeated at full strength. Yep. So, yep. But the game will be in Austin, 7 o'clock on ESPN2, part of Big Monday. I'm still picking Baylor to win the game. So being in Austin kind of gave me a yep. little moment of pause. But, nope, Doc, you got the Longhorns in Austin. So you got you got the the defending opinion. Me and Wildcat got Baylor, so that's what we're gonna stick with and roll with that. I do believe <laughs> that uh, both of these teams are capable of beating UConn yeah. or Mississippi State. And other than that, that might be yeah. it because I don't believe Notre Dame has enough healthy bodies to beat UConn in Columbus. Yeah. So it's a small group that I think can get it done. So we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, two of those teams, I think, can get it done. We'll be on the floor tomorrow, 7 o'clock in Austin, Baylor versus Texas. I hope it's a good game. As I do it with every pop matchup, I just want it to be competitive. I hope it's good throughout. I don't want it to be a blowout. So just be competitive, and I'll be, I'll be good with that. Sure. Because what it does, it gives us all hope that somewhere, some way, mentally, not physically, but mentally, a team will overcome and may make it two years in a row for UConn not winning the national championship. Oh no! I'm, you know, you, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not on that on that um, line of thinking. <laughs> I just want it to be a competitive game for my enjoyment. Because blowouts, I just turn them. I just change. I change the channel. If it's a blowout, I, just, yeah, know, I go find something else to do. So well, that, that's now that's true. If I'm through with you, like, you know, we can only stand so much. Uh, just watching because from referee, I used to work with bad basketball is getting bad basketball. Yeah, ain't watching. And and I think the nine o'clock game because I think it's a triple hitter on ESPN two yeah. tomorrow as part of Big Monday. Nine o'clock game I'm looking forward to as well. It's between UCLA and Oregon. So that's right. the top ten uh, that, too. That's so. the game. That's the game I'm really looking forward to is that one, just because I've seen Oregon play twice uh, and uh, up close. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like this late in the season and how they, uh, they keep, uh, you know, they can send off UCLA and, and Oregon State in front. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So um, should be a good day of basketball. The NBA All-Star game ended. I think Team LeBron won 148, 145. I think it was competitive through most of the game. I didn't watch it at all. I didn't spend much time on any all-star stuff. I kind of decompressed this weekend. So, uh, did other stuff. Cut up on some TV shows I hadn't seen. Just get my mind right and get ready for a stretch run here. So, gentlemen, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Before you close out, just want to leave this uh, thought. As we entertain people with the movie and stuff like this, you get a chance to hear this. But uh, I want to read the quote. Bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. That is a line in the movie. Yes, sir. And Wildcat, you'll, you'll hear it. The movie. You'll hear it tomorrow. So I'm, looking forward, so I'm looking forward to that scene. 
So, look it all up. So, all yeah. right, then. All so, right, yeah. then. When, when I heard Dude. it, I was, it kind of it kind of got me in my heart and my gut. And I was like, ooh. Mm, that's something about. Right, so, yeah, that's something about right Dude. there. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, then. I'll, be pay- I'll really be paying attention to it. Like I okay. said, levels and layers, man. I appreciate man. that. Levels and layers. And this I appreciate that. There is on point. And open your mind and your ears and your eyes so you can see it, hear it, understand it, and comprehend it, and think about what's going on. But, yes, it is an excellent movie. Gentlemen, once again, thank you for your time. This has been good. Good discussion. We got some things out there for, for discussion. Um, Wildcat, glad you're able to join us and share your thoughts as well. I look forward to your thoughts on Black Panther once you see it. But as I do, I'm going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.